Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Morano, the Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. And of course, oh my goodness, it's about six weeks now since we experienced the wonderful news on June the 24th at 10, 10 a.m. that Roe v. Wade and Planned Parent versus Casey have been overruled, overturned, whatever phrase you want to use. Roe is no more. Casey's gone. And, you know, so for so many of us that have worked for decades in the pro-life movement, We always hoped it would happen in our lifetime. We felt it would happen in our lifetime. But now to experience it, it's been a wonderful thing. But we've got a lot to talk about. And we have a lot of action and things that we need to be doing. Well, joining me today is one of my dear friends, a great, great pro-life leader. He has been like Father Frank and I in this battle for decades. So joining me today is the president of Life Issues Institute, Brad Mattis. Welcome to the program, Brad. Well, thanks, Janet. I always like being on with you. It's like oh. <laughs> we go back so far. It's it's so nice yeah. to have those things in common. Mm-hmm. So first of all, tell us, where were you on June the 24th at 10, 10 a.m. when we got the Dobbs decision? I like to hear from everybody. Like It's kind of like, where were you on September 11th? Where were you on Pearl Harbor Day? So where were you on the date? of June the 24th at 10, 10 a.m.? Well, we were at our battle stations uh, waiting for that uh, oh, that wonderful God-given um, decision to come down. We really thought it would be the following Monday, but we were prepared anyway. So right. our staff were all at their battle stations ready to put everything into action. And I've got to tell you, you know, I asked Father Frank this one time as we, we knew it was coming, and I said, after all these decades, what do you think it'll feel like when Roe is finally dead? You know, it's right. polite to say Roe is dead now. And, um, he, you know, he didn't really quite have an answer. Neither did I. Um, but I can tell you now it feels wonderful. It feels liberating, joyful. And all of those positive adjectives that you can think of all rolled into one. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think of like, at that moment, I was here in the studio, you know, we were live because the same thing, we were ready, battle ready, because we knew was it was going to happen Friday, was going to happen Monday. So we were sitting here ready too. And the first few thoughts I had, first of all, initially was Norma McCorvey, uh, who I knew personally. And I looked up and I said, well, Norma, we did it as promised. We, we stuck with it till we saw the overturning a row. But then I also, my mind went to all those pro-life leaders who basically gave us, they're the wind between our wings, right? Uh, people like Nellie Gray, uh, Jack and Barbara Wilkie, Joe Scheidler, Mildred Jefferson, all these people who really, they started back in the 60s and the 70s and, and kind of helped us along that they must have been smiling from heaven, right? <laughs> yes, well, and, and I was privileged to uh, have the uh, opportunity to work side by side with Jack and Barbara Wilkie for uh, 20 some years before she passed away and two years later, uh, Jack passed away. But they were my mentors, my second pair of parents. Um, I grew so much 
uh, under their tutelage, you could say. And back in 75, when I got involved in the movement, I did a persuasive speech on abortion. And I went to the local Right to Life group um, in Billings, Montana, and they gave me these slides and brochures and things from the Wilkies. I didn't know who the Wilkies were. I had no idea <laughs> that we would uh, form a lasting, solid friendship and work side by side. So yes, uh, like the others you mentioned, I especially uh, think of Jack and Barbara and think of how overjoyed they must be that right. all of their efforts has borne major fruit. But the battle continues, as we know. Oh, yeah. The the battle really, really uh, does continue. But, you know, I have here, Brad, um, a few quotes from the decision. But, you know, the, the thing I love the most, really, is the very first uh, few sentences of the decision where it says, and this is really what settled it, <coughs> excuse me, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. So that's that's really that giving us our marching orders, right, Brad? Especially with this midterm election coming up, right? That's right. Um, you know, I, I really think that Alito's uh, uh, majority opinion was brilliant. He didn't put it, base it on subjective, political or religious viewpoints. He totally came at this from a scientific and medical and more importantly, constitutional uh, point of view, which trumps everything. And right. um, it will go down in history, I believe, is one of the best uh, Supreme Court decisions and opinions uh, in modern history. Yeah. You know, because he really took away, he knocked the legs off of all the arguments of the left. First, th there's nothing in the Constitution about abortion, but then he also delved into the 14th Amendment and the right to privacy, didn't he? He did. And clearly, um, there is no right to abortion and the right to privacy. And, you know, it's interesting that Roe had many critics from the far left, like uh, Lawrence Tribe, um, Harvard professor. He's on every liberal side. And even Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg criticized Roe because it pulled and fabricated a right to privacy from the Constitution that clearly wasn't there, as Alito so well pointed out. Yeah. And um, so it was ridiculed from the left. And uh, like I say, history will eventually judge all of this as um, now on the side of pro-life, on the side of the Constitution, on the side of compassion and humanity. Right. And, and you know, when you think about uh, Roe, even when it was heard, the oral arguments, uh, even if you go all the way back <clears throat> to back in Texas, you know, since when is, is the plaintiff doesn't even appear in court at all? Norman McCorvey never spent one day in court. That was a problem there. And one of the things the justices in, in Roe said was, oh, there's there's no evidence here of, of, of the plaintiff. Where is the plaintiff? Where's the depositions? You know, so the whole thing you could see was almost fabricated, wasn't it? Oh, it was. And the, the fact that um, Norma never wanted an abortion, nor did she have one. And right. um, Sandra Cano in the companion case of, of Dovey Bolton didn't want an abortion and she never had one. It, it was based on lies. 
uh, the, the attorney said Norma McCarvey was gang raped. That wasn't true at all. Right. So not only did they, did they base everything on lies, then the Supreme Court majority um, wanting to play politics and advance an extreme and radical pro-abortion agenda just piled on to all of that mess. That's right. And the, you know, the justices themselves back in Roe actually, I mean, I think it's two of them should have recused themselves. One of them, their wife uh, volunteered for Planned Parenthood and another one had another connection to Planned Parenthood. Uh, I forget exactly what it was, but that should have, they should have recused themselves not even to hear the case, right? Because of that connection to the abortion yes. industry, you know? So, You're right. You're right. And in my experience, those on the left do not recuse themselves, while we often see those on the right who are for justice and truth uh, will uh, recuse themselves when it should be necessary. Right. So what I like to do, Brad, is remind people, all those who worked so hard to reelect George W. Bush, right? That's how we got... Uh, Justice Alito. So we wouldn't have had Alito <laughs> if we didn't reelect Bush. We would have had another liberal justice there in his place. And then if we not had not elected President Trump, we would instead of having three these three good conservative justices, we would have had three more liberals, and the court would have been locked down, right, with with a liberal majority, and we would never have seen the overturning of Roe. So what I like to point out to people is elections do have consequences and for all those who work so hard on those elections i have to say bravo but now as we both know now that it's back in the states not just the states but i say in the legislative branch so we have congress and the states we have a, a big job ahead of us don't we brad for this uh november election and tell us at life issues institute uh what kind of a plan of action are you developing right now well, yes, absolutely. We have to be aware of every level of government. You know, I often say, Janet, that I wouldn't vote a dog catcher into office unless I knew he or she was pro-life. And that's because every candidate climbs their own political ladder of success. We saw uh, Barack Obama climb it very fast from community organizer to president of the United States. We have to be very aware of what's happening on the local areas because now we're running into cases where state attorneys general, uh, county and local prosecutors are refusing to enforce pro-life legislation on the books. So we have got to be acutely aware uh, about local politics and candidates, which ones are pro-life and which ones are pro-death. We have no excuse um, the Lord has given us this huge blessing of, of the demise of Roe, but now he expects us all to step up to the plate and ensure that millions more babies will be saved in every state and from the moment of fertilization. Yeah. Well, and what I tell people always are warning, well, how do I know <clears throat> the candidates? Well, first of all, there's a great uh, tool called iVoterGuide.com. Uh, right now, they've been churning out the voter guides for the primaries. And of course, next, of course, come the fall, they'll have voter guides for every state for the general election. And they do a pretty good job of the uh, national and the state, uh, you know, people running. And I know people always ask me, but what about people running, 
you know, the judges, they're not always on those bigger, bigger uh, voter guides. And what about the school board and this and that? You know, you know what I always tell them, Brad, every candidate, if you take their name and Google it, they have a website. You know, this is the day of the internet. And what I tell people to do, I encourage them is go to the website of every candidate, see what they're saying on their website, see who's endorsing them, see who's donating to them. And that gives you a clear indication of, of where that candidate is at. And I know like right now here in Florida, we're going to have a primary in a few weeks and people running for school board and this and that. I've already started going to the websites and you, you know, very clear where people stand. They start bragging. Oh, we're for CRT in the schools or someone else. But no, we're not for CRT, you know, for critical race theory or about the transgender in the, in the bathrooms or no bathrooms and all this, uh, give the parents the rights to educate their child. Or we I'm in favor of school choice. I'm not in favor of school choice. So, you know what I'm saying, Brad, like part of this, our vote is so important the responsibility really is on us, isn't it, to research the candidates, right? It is. And there's no excuse why we shouldn't do it. You mentioned um, Florida's upcoming uh, primary on the 23rd of August. Right. And I don't know about other states, but you and I received a sample ballot with all of the candidates on them. So right. I have begun to take those ballots and I have begun to do my research, as you described on uh, the Internet. And there are code words, thing they, things they say that really provides a political roadmap as to where they would rule on abortion, even if they don't mention it. So um, that is just acutely important. We can't overstate that enough, Janet, that we have to be educated voters. We have to take it upon ourselves to get educated. And we need to share that education with others. You know, churches can share information on candidates. They just can't support one candidate over another or one right. party over another, but churches can educate the people, their members on where the candidates stand on such a crucial issue. Because um, without the right to life, there are no rights for education, for immigration, for whatever rights. Uh, they just don't exist if they can't be born and live. That's right. And, you know, it doesn't take long to do that research. I, mm -hmm. I got my ballot too, and I'm, I, I just begun to start, <laughs> you know, Me going through all the yeah. candidates. But I'll tell you, um, it's like by the time I vote on the primary day or even for the general, I have my little cheat sheet all filled out of, uh, you know, who's who and who I'm voting for because I've taken that time uh, to, to do all that research. So, you know, <clears throat> I'm hoping, you know, that people are very encouraged now with the overturning of Roe. But what I'm finding, it, it's kind of funny, Brad. Um, I, you know, I have a new book out, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens, right? And it just seems every place I'm going lately, people are asking about abortion. They want to talk about it. Um, oh. Funny, funny experience. The other day, I'm at the hair salon. Now the same person has been doing my hair since I moved to Florida five years ago. And everyone knows what my job is, right? You know, who I work for and all that. And suddenly she says to me, you know, my, my, my teenage son was starting to comment on Facebook about abortion and, and this overturning a row, but I told him not to do that if he doesn't know what he's talking about. So she said, could you please bring me uh, a copy, two copies of your new book, one for him to read and one for me to read. Isn't that crazy? 
because they yeah. want to they want to be informed. On the plane the other day, the woman sitting next to me starts chatting, says, what are you doing? You know, what, what kind of work are you doing? Are you here on a business trip? I said, yeah. And again, I tell them the story who I, you know, what my work is. And I, and she goes, oh, that sounds interesting. I said, oh yeah, I just wrote another new book. Really? You wrote a book? I said, well, I just happen to have a copy. I take it out. She sees the title. I figured, oh boy, now she's going to have a fit, right? No. She says, oh, that's a book to inform you about abortion with all this stuff they're talking about in the media. I said, yeah. This book will really give you a good insight. She said, well, how can I get a copy? I said, well, I have an extra one here. Would you like it? She goes, oh, I'd love a copy. So what I'm finding out, Brad, right now is there's a sudden, something we have dreamed about, as you know, for decades. Remember back in the day where we would say, you know, can we get abortion off the back burner and put it on the front burner, right? So what I'm saying right now is, we have a unique opportunity because it is in the news and the other side is acting so extreme. I mean, I don't know about life issues, but here at Priest for Life, we're finding more of a hunger for information. What are you experiencing at life issues? That's the exact word I was going to use as you were describing that. There's an, a deep and abiding hunger for the truth on this issue. Before Americans had been pushed to the sidelines and have no say in the most important civil rights issue of our day. Right. But now that has all changed. And they, the light is beginning to dawn that when they elect pro-life candidates and pass pro-life legislation, there isn't going to be a Supreme Court to block this legislation. These bills, oftentimes can be enacted and immediately go into effect, saving countless lives. And I think there's an excitement across the abortion landscape in America. People are engaging and understanding that they can make a difference and they want to be involved. But as you said, they want to be educated and be involved. Right. So at Life Issues, you have a great website. Um, give us a little peek into, like, if they come to your website and remind them what it is, but what are they going to find there and how can they begin to use that as a research tool? Well, we our website is lifeissues.org, lifeissues.org. We have over 5,000 pages of pro-life educational information, all in a way that uh, anybody, it's user-friendly, I told them if, if I lose patience and can't find what I want, then then, then it's got to be changed. So <laughs> it is Brad friendly, which is, is pretty basic. And um, for instance, we have a panel that comes up at the top of our website when you go to lifeissues.org. And there we talk about a post-row environment and what to expect. Where do we go from here? And we have a lot of information on where we are going and ways that you can be involved in pro-life education. You know, we work very closely with Priests for Life and other pro-life groups um, because we're stronger together and we can right. share resources instead of reinvent the wheel. We're big believers in that. So you're getting the best of the best when you come to the, uh, our websites. And if you don't find what you need, you just email us and we'll be happy to dig further and provide that information to you. That's right. And what I find too uh, right now, Brad, is we have another big battle. Um, and I'd like you to help me address this a little bit is the abortion industry, as you know, uh, they're going all out 
on the chemical abortion, and I keep calling it chemical. It's not a medical abortion. It's a chemical abortion, RU486. Uh, and they're seeing this as now that, you know, the FDA uh, under Biden uh, is allowing it still to be mailed. You know, pe- women can get this with they don't even get a medical background or anything. They could do a telemed appointment. And in some cases, you could just order it on the internet right now. It's so scary. Um, but don't, we've got a real big battle right now, don't we, uh, with this RU486 uh, chemical abortion, right? You're right. Um, women are being thrown to the wolves uh, when they mail them these dangerous abortion drugs with no information, no medical input at all. And eventually, uh, time will tell that women are going to pay a dear price. You know, Janet, when we order something from Amazon or wherever, um, we can follow that shipment step by step by step. Now, if we had an administration that was supportive of unborn babies and their mothers, we could uh, use that technology to track illegal shipments from out of the country into America and, uh, and, and divert those death drugs before they reach the victims. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm finding, Brad, is that right now I've been told, uh, some people said, oh yeah, you can order chemical abortion from India, China, uh, and these other countries, and they'll deliver them right into the USA. And there's, like you just said, no restriction. And what we're finding both with the Silent No More Awareness campaign, which I co-founded, and Rachel's Vineyard, one of the largest worldwide healing effort of abortion programs, the women who have taken that chemical abortion are coming to healing quicker because they're more traumatized. It's tragic. I mean, uh, if you go to plan, even if you go to Planned Parenthood to get the chemical abortion, they tell them, oh, it's no big deal, like a light period. You take the one pill now, take the other one two, three days at home, and it, it's just no big deal. Oh, but it is a real big deal. The women are experiencing severe bleeding and cramping. One woman told us it was she had already had a baby and now she was doing the chemical abortion because she was pregnant again. Too quick, she felt. Oh, I'm not ready to have another baby. She said it was worse than when she gave birth to her child. And then the other trauma we're finding, Brad, and it's very tragic, the women are seeing their, their babies. They're seeing the babies in the toilet and they're panicking, either flushing the toilet or grabbing them and trying to put it in a little box and, and bury them. It's traumatic what these women are going through. And like you just said, the government is just well, ignoring it and they're couching it all on, oh, it's choice, the, the, the reproductive choice. It's terrible. So this is another battle we have to face, isn't it? It is. And you've, you've outlined some of the serious problems with that pill um, that I don't need to repeat. But women are turning their homes and their bathrooms, their bedrooms into abortion chambers. Right. And they, if they own that condo or that house, um, they can't get away from that environment. They have that daily reminder every time they come home from work, every time they leave for work, and in days time in between, that a death occurred there. And I spoke to uh, several women who were very angry as well as upset that they were sold a bill of goods. First, that there was no problem. It was like having a heavy period. Uh, it would be over very quickly and painlessly. 
that was far from the truth. And also that it wasn't a baby, it was just a mass of tissue. But as you said, they see those babies. And some women have described holding those little children in the palms of their hands and seeing the eyes, the fingers, the toes, the nose. And they know that they've just killed their precious, innocent, unborn child. And what a heavy burden to bear. And that's why we need to first and foremost prevent those death drugs from getting to women and victimizing them, as well as them providing uh, after abortion care for them. But you mentioned that the different uh, countries where these drugs are coming from, China, India, and other places. And there was um, some research done earlier by pro-abortion people, and, and it was appalling. They tested the drugs that they were sent, um, and some of them were very questionable that they'd work at all. Um, packaging was tampered with. There were no instructions and no information. It's just appalling. As I said, women are being thrown to the wolves in a very literal sense, and uh, we need to be there to help them, certainly. Right. And then just quickly, um, Brad, remind us, uh, I know you do a lot of broadcasting yourself, and uh, where might uh, people learn more about the broadcasting you do in addition to your website? Sure. Uh, I do a daily radio commentary called Life Issues. We're on over 1,300 radio outlets across the country. Uh, We reach over 18 million people each week, actual listeners. It's called Life Issues. Um, You can go to our website at lifeissues.org and actually subscribe to um, the text and audio of those programs. I do that myself, and then I post it on all my social media outlets. Within each of those programs is documentation for the comments that I share. So uh, it's all in one easy package to educate yourself in just a minute or two, and then educate others by sharing that information with them. Um, In the past, we did a TV broadcast for eight seasons that did a, a weekly television program that garnered three regional Emmy Awards for pro life programming, if you can believe that. And uh, we were able to tell stories in a more expansive context. And those are available through our website too. Some of them are timeless, standalone educational opportunity. Great. Well, Brad, I wanna thank you for joining me again. Uh, Once again, I mean, together, (laughs) we're gonna go forward and we're gonna succeed, I think, in this November's election, putting more pro-life candidates from uh, Congress down to the local level. So thank you for joining me. Thank you. You know, you and I were put on this earth at this time for this purpose. And now it's up to us to do all we can to save those babies and protect their mothers. That's right. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, brothers and sisters, you know what Brad and I were saying? Education now is key. And I want to remind you about my brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens, and as I say, and for adults too. And Brad and I were discussing uh, just now about the beautiful, uh, about the chemical abortion. And what this book has here are beautiful pictures starting at seven weeks of the unborn child. And you can see the fingers, the toes, and the little eye of the baby looking at you. If you'd like to receive a copy of this book, Go to abortionandteens.com. Again, abortionandteens.com. I will personally autograph it for you. And right now it's a time for education 
and discussion. So go right now, abortionandteens.com, place your order. And remember, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you can stop and some lives only you can save. Join us again next time. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.